Let's pray. Oh, our Lord and our God, you are so big and we are so small. And Lord, as we open your word today and I speak from it, it is a fearful thing, Lord, to, to handle your word. And I pray that I would do it carefully. And uh, Lord, that you would use my stammering tongue uh, for your glory and your purposes. May we see Christ today. I pray these things in his holy name. Amen. So if you could turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, um, we're going to be reading from verse 13. Actually, 13 and 14. So Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Today, I'd like to focus on the last five words in this portion, nailing it to his cross. There has never been, and there will never be again, a greater, a more merciful, nor a more selfless act of love than when God, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, nailed all our trespasses, all our iniquities, all our wicked, immoral godlessness, to his very own son's cross. Let me repeat that. There has never been, and there will never be again, a greater, a more merciful, nor a more selfless act of love than when God, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, nailed all our trespasses, all our iniquities, all our wicked, immoral godlessness, to his very own son's cross. I honestly think there's a lifetime of study plumbing the depths of these five words, nailing it to his cross. Uh, firstly, I'd like to focus on the physical aspects of our sins being nailed to the cross. We live our lives in a physical world, and we truly understand physical pain. It is very tangible to us. So it's fairly easy, albeit quite unenjoyable, for us to kind of get our heads around this aspect of Christ's work on Calvary. Crucifixion was an incredibly painful and a very gruesome means of execution. Its intended purpose was to prolong the death of the one condemned to it, not to hasten it. And there's some debate on the precise details of Christ's crucifixion. But in a typical Roman crucifixion during Christ's time on earth, the arms were outstretched and iron spikes were driven through the hands and into the horizontal beam of the cross. Then the legs were outstretched and the feet placed one on top of the other and another iron spike driven through both and into the vertical beam of the cross. At this point, the cross was lifted up and secured upright while gravity did its work, pulling down the body against the three nails that pinned the extremities to the structure. The executioner's work finished all that was needed to complete this process was time. Very painful, excruciating time. As the muscles of the body became exhausted, the act of breathing was nearly impossible. The arms and legs were unable to support the weight of the body, and it slumped, severely constricting the chest cavity. 
To take a breath, the legs had to push the body upward through force on these nailed feet in order to open the chest cavity enough to inhale. The whole process was a very slow and painful suffocation for the crucified, a pain we cannot even begin to imagine. Our sin, our sin did this. Spurgeon describes our sin in this way, quote, they were our own sins, not the sins of our fate or destiny or of our circumstances and surroundings, but our own sins. We willingly committed them. As a result of our death to everything that was holy and good and spiritual, we sinned and we took pleasure in sin. We repeated our old sins and we devised and invented new sins. They were, with an emphasis, our sins, our own actual real personal sins. End quote. This was the very cause of Christ's physical torment on that tree. And as hard as it is to stomach, our salvation was not secured simply by Christ's physical suffering on the cross. There was much more to his agony. Secondly, I'd like to focus our minds on the spiritual aspects of our sins being nailed to the cross. Calvin writes in his Institutes, quote, nothing had been done if Christ had only endured corporeal death. In order to interpose between us and God's anger and satisfy his righteous judgment, it was necessary that he should feel the weight of divine vengeance. Whence also it was necessary that he should engage, as it were, at close quarters with the powers of hell and the horrors of eternal death. The physical pain, as brutal as it was, and a manifestation of God's wrath being poured out on his son, was light in comparison to the spiritual suffering Christ endured on the cross. The scriptures tell us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But what is that death? We know it is hell, and it is hell forever. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9 says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Christ suffered this everlasting destruction on the cross on our behalf. Mark 15, 34 reads, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God the Father, in pouring out his wrath, turns away from his son hanging on the cross. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 1. And as you're finding your place, think afresh on this fact that for all of eternity, Christ had been with God the Father in perfect, continuous, unbroken fellowship. We cannot grasp what that truly means in all its fullness. Looking at verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. From the beginning, in perfect unity with God, at one with his Father. Now look at the cross. 
Look at the cross with the eyes of faith and see what is happening. See Jesus Christ sinless in every way, perfect in every word and deed. Now he's shunned by man, forsaken by his disciples, and now even his father is not answering his call. He's suffering a multitude of trials, scorning, humiliation, nakedness, excruciating pain, but most intense of all, he is enduring the full wrath of God that is poured out in hell. And why? Why? It's very simply our sin. Our sin. Our sin has done this, and Christ is paying for it. Finally, I'd like to think upon the substitutionary aspect of our sins being nailed to the cross. Christ was not the initiator. He was not the mastermind of, nor was he even remotely involved in any of the sins he was paying for on that cross. 1 Peter 3.18 reads, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Bear with me and allow me to give what is the best my feeble mind could come up with as an illustration. The most severe punishment we have in our system of laws today is the death penalty. It's reserved for those convicted of the most wicked of crimes in our society. Imagine that you are an upstanding citizen living a quiet, moral, and peaceable life. But one horrible day, one of your dearest family members is kidnapped tortured, raped, murdered, and finally dismembered before their remains are inhumanely scattered about. The monster that committed this crime is caught, and it turns out he's the horrible man a few houses down that always shakes his fist at you as he passes by, shouts obscenities, and tells you how much he hates you. He has spread vicious rumors about you and your family, called you a liar and a fake, and would never give up any opportunity to tell others not to believe a word you say. Imagine now that you offer to take his place in court and will die in his stead so that he might be free from the punishment he deserves. Everyone would say, why would you do this? It makes absolutely no sense. You stand nothing to gain. You need nothing from that monster. He hates you. He has always hated you. He has violated everything good and decent that you stood for. Why? I realize that this analogy is not perfect, but in a sense, is this not what Christ has done for us? Is not Christ's sacrifice truly love exhibited in the most completely and radical sense? Is it not beyond human comprehension that a perfect man should die a hideous death in place of a bunch of depraved and wicked people? This is what God has done. Romans 5 eight says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God needs nothing from us. He is perfect and complete in himself. He could have damned the entire world to hell and been completely justified in doing so. Now, while he needs nothing from us, he deserves everything from us. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I don't know about you, but these truths, when I ponder them and really meditate upon them, 
make me so sick and tired of my continually taking Christ's work for granted. I'm so worn out with being a spiritual weakling. I'm embarrassed by my lack of zeal when I realize how much zeal Christ had for me on Calvary. Isn't it time we looked at every single sin of ours in light of the physical, spiritual, and substitutionary aspects that Christ undertook in order to sponge away our iniquities? Isn't it time we quit making excuses for our lack of holiness? Isn't it time we prayed a little more and played a little less? Isn't it time we look deep into our hearts to identify the many idols we worship and then ground those golden calves to powder? Isn't it time we stopped being afraid of man and instead shouted from the rooftops that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords? Isn't it time we begged God for true repentance and true revival for his church with only his glory in mind? All these things seem like such light work compared to the work Christ did for us when he had it all nailed to his cross. Amen.